baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 436 on Drive Time with DeRussia. So much national political news happening today. The impeachment inquiry into President Biden uh, slowly moving along. Hunter Biden in court in California. The Iowa caucuses. With all of that going on, there are U.S. congressional races here in Minnesota. Uh, And there is work still happening. Uh, although I'm, I wonder how much with all the politics come, going on in Washington, D.C. Uh, Congressman Angie Craig joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline here to talk uh, a little bit about her work when it comes to the Postal Service and then some other topics as well. Congresswoman, thanks for being with us. Hey, I'm glad to be here, but when do I get to be on the segment about tequila? That seems a lot more fun. (laughs) They did leave me a (laughs) bottle of tequila. I know you're not allowed to accept gifts, but, you know, next time you come to town, I'll hook you up for sure. sure. Uh, All right. Thank you, Jason. It's great to be back with you. Uh, The reason I reached out to you is is this ongoing issue with the Postal Service and uh, some of the issues that that we've had in your district and throughout the state as it relates to uh, overwork, Amazon packages. Tell me kind of where are things at with that right now? Well, I've been pushing for accountability from the Postal Service for the past year. And, um, you know, I'm where where is it now? I've asked uh, for a call with Postmaster General DeJoy. We've been um, the third worst performing region in the nation over the last several quarters, uh, according to an independent analysis. So, look, uh, I, I think our my constituents deserve better delivery. If the post office says we should be getting our mail every day and my constituents tell me it's every three days, every five days, every uh, 10 days, then there's certainly a disconnect. So right now, the uh, OIG uh, inspector general is investigating a few offices uh, right here in Minnesota and uh, the inspector general's audits uh, from Egan and Apple Valley and the Egan Distribution Center, we expect to be back soon and we'll be following those closely. Uh, you know, I, I on a personal level sometimes wonder if in this digital age and the age of delivery and Amazon, do we still need uh, mail delivery to be coming six days a week? D- do you think it's time to maybe go down to five or four days a week? Well, Jason, right now there's so much volume coming in through USPS that even six days a week they aren't able to get the job done. When you think about uh, the fact that the Postal Service now essentially delivers the last mile for Amazon packages, uh, those trucks are packed full of Amazon packages. And that's one of the reasons why, um, and other retail outlets, of course, uh, but that's one of the reasons why our letter carriers uh, can't get our mail delivered every day is we found many instances where they're being asked to stop their route in order to make sure they deliver the packages uh, on time. Yeah. You know, the packages are more profitable. And I think that, you know, we can have a really good, robust debate about 
how many days a week and how many hours a day should postal workers work and whether we should be delivering Amazon packages and that sort of thing. But uh, those are discussions that we should have as a country and community. But as long as USPS still says we should be getting our mail every day, then that's the standard that we want to hold them to. Isn't this partially Congress's fault for the way that they have sort of set up the requirements for the Postal Service to be, you know, making enough money so they prefund the pension and all of this. And so isn't it utterly predictable that decisions are going to be made to try to make profit and make money instead of providing kind of the service you might expect of a utility, right? Like of a Yeah, I mean, it's, it's set up in the Constitution essentially as a utility. Uh, it's a service that we pay good taxpayer dollars to receive. And, you know, you think about the digital age, the volume of mail service hasn't gone down even with the digital age uh, coming forward. Because you think about, you know, all your insurance companies pushing prescriptions to mail these days. Uh, you think about, uh, you know, the uh, number of our nation's veterans who are relying on uh, prescription drugs through the mail. Uh, you know, it's, uh, there's some really important activity still going in uh, into the USPS system, and we have to make sure we have a system that we can rely on. But you're right, it really is a strategy that has been put in place by the current Postmaster General uh, that he's going to try to make USPS sort of like FedEx and UPS, and they're going to compete with them, and it's going to be his swan song as he leaves public service that he made USPS profitable. Well, okay, if if that's what we one as a country, but I don't know about you, but my tax dollars are coming to the federal government to pay for the United States Postal Service. And so I expect my mail to be delivered the number of days a week that uh, they tell me it should. Congressman Angie Craig with it. How is Louis DeJoy still the Postmaster General? I mean, he... <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a real good question uh, and one that I keep asking the Biden administration as we dig deeper and deeper into the woes at the Postal Service. I mean, he was he was a Donald Trump appointee. He is the first postmaster general in 20 years who had no Postal Service experience. But either way, like he's got to be one of the only leftovers from the prior administration. It just it, it puzzles me considering all of all of the issues we've had with the Postal Service. And and hey, Jason, look, if if he were doing a great job um, and service levels in our region were great, I would be the first one on a completely nonpartisan basis to say, excellent work, Mr. DeJoy. But that isn't what's happening. And it's not just that that's not what's happening. It's that they seem to have their head in the sand. They keep telling us things like, oh, Congresswoman, we're preparing for another successful holiday season. That doesn't track with what I heard from Minnesotans the previous holiday season. And it certainly doesn't track with the service uh, level data that we're getting, that we're analyzing, that we're make, making publicly so that we force them to take a good look and make change here and try to get us our mail on time. That's all we're asking for. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.
Congresswoman Angie Craig is with uh, the second district of Minnesota. I will ask you uh, about uh, some of the opposition that is lining up, some of the uh, Republicans who are running in the primary for the chance to run against you in a second. But before we do that, I I was reading about this uh, kid proof act that you introduced with a Republican uh, congressman from Texas uh, that I hadn't heard a bunch of publicity about, so I was sort of uh, curious to hear more from you about it. But this is uh, this is a bill that would expand access to safety supplies for parents of kids who might be at risk of overdose or suicide. And with all we're hearing about fentanyl and overdose and, and certainly the explosion in suicide rates, uh, this seems like something that should get a little more attention. I really think it should, and thank you for highlighting it. Yeah, so uh, Tony Gonzalez of Texas and I, we uh, sat down and we looked at this data of, you know, 95% of individuals considering suicide do not go on to die by suicide when the lethal means are effectively stored. And so this bill in particular would uh, expand access to those lethal means safety supplies, like simple things like lock boxes and safes for parents of children at risk of overdose or suicide. And so this bill would expand these supplies to healthcare providers because of course, uh, if a mental health expert or a family physician or pediatrician, if you're identifying um, this uh, chance of your uh, kid uh, completing suicide, getting those uh, prescription drugs into safe storage, getting those guns into safe storage, is one of the most effective ways to prevent that suicide. And so, look, these are really simple things, but uh, if you take your young um, uh, daughter or son to a doctor and uh, you have suicidal ideation and it's around overdosing or uh, taking prescription drugs, just store that stuff safely. Uh, studies have shown it makes a real difference, and I'm really proud to work with Tony and his you know, is how as does that come together? Washington, how, how do you I mean, we yeah, right. I was going to say, as batty as Washington is on a daily basis and you can't turn on a hearing without hearing people scream at each other. I you know, I want your listeners to know there are quite a few of us here uh, sitting in a room together trying to figure out how the hell we solve real problems in our country. And I know that uh, we aren't the ones to get the attention, um, but we're here and we're, we're trying. Uh, speaking of real problems in the country, one of our texters just asked for your thoughts on uh, the crisis at the border. It, it has been one of the areas of public policy in this country where we've been talking about doing something about immigration for 30 or 40 years. And we really haven't done much to change legal pathways to get into this country. And now we have this where where it's it's uh, it's been horrible down there. Republicans have made a lot of noise on what they want to do about it. Uh, what do you think should be done to uh, secure the border? Well, Jason, I was one of three Democrats uh, last February to go down to the border um, with 20-something Republicans. So this has been an area where I've been saying um, for a long time there is a crisis at the U.S. border. Um, I would like to see some sort of uh, bipartisan agreement. Uh, here is we move forward on border security. Uh, I've called for additional funding for, um, you know, uh, sonar, radar, uh, making sure there may be some places where we do need to secure the border with some sort of uh, uh, protection. Like, uh, you know, I know some people will call it a wall, 
some call it fencing, but there may be areas where we need to have um, people trying to come across driven. And at the end of the day, look, you know, as long as it takes months and years to come across legally, people are going to try to find a way to come across illegally. And I think the message got to be, if you want to come into this country, if you want to claim asylum, you've got to come through uh, the legal means to get to this country. If you come across our country illegally, um, we're not even going to consider your claim. So it's a tough issue. Uh, It's a politically divisive issue. I get it. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, we've got to sit down and be willing to have these hard conversations about the border. What we're seeing right now is untenable. Congresswoman Angie Craig with us here on CCO. I know that yesterday the new House Speaker uh, talked with President Biden about border security. Obviously, you know, because of the presidential campaign going on, because we're in a campaign cycle, I think some of us here in Minnesota wonder, you know, is anything really going to get done in Washington, D.C. over the next couple of months? Well, we have to. I mean, uh, we can't keep I mean, the main job of Congress is to pass a budget, to pass 12 appropriations bills. And so, you know, we've got a couple of deadlines coming up on February 19th. uh, And then in uh, March, when we had this this battered uh, continuing resolution to kick the can down the road. And so, look, Speaker Johnson's got a choice here. I I don't think in a million years they're going to get the budget done uh, by next Friday. But, you know, they they have had us in Washington this week, all week, and we have not had a single uh, budget uh, bill in front of us because the Republican conference, their caucus can't agree on what even to bring to the House floor. So, you know, we uh, we've got moderate Republicans fighting with Freedom Caucus members on their side. And Frankly, I'm rooting for moderate Republicans to bring common sense budgets to uh, to us here in the House. And I'll work with any one of them that can get a budget bill to us that, uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of culture war issues attached to it. And uh, I think, you know, Speaker Johnson agreed a top line with uh, Chuck Schumer and hopefully uh, he'll stick to his word. Again, there's a lot of rebelling going on in Washington this week on procedural votes by Freedom Caucus members and Uh, If Speaker Johnson wants to get anything done, he's going to need Democrats to help him do it. And I hope he realizes that. Last question. And you have a a campaign that you're in the middle of. Three Republicans so far have stepped up and said uh, they want to run to try to get the chance to face you. Uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar uh, reported today that she raised more than one point six million dollars for her campaign. Um, Are your your seat has been one of the most fought over competitive seats in the country. Do you expect it to be the same? How much money do you think it's going to take for you to keep your seat? Well, for the sake of your listeners, uh, I hope thirty two and a half million dollars is not spent in my house race again this cycle just as it was in 2022, because they'll have to put up with a lot of nonsense. But of course, I mean, the second district is the most evenly divided political district in the country currently represented by a Democrat. So, uh, Jason, I get up every day and I just try to do my work, uh, not embarrass constituents in my community like uh, some members of Congress do and and really try to make life better 
for working families across my district. I'll let my record speak for itself as we cap, you know, insulin at $35 a month for America's seniors and other issues that I've worked on directly. And at the end of the day, I expect a tough election every two years. That's just the way it goes in uh, swing districts across yeah. this country. Yeah. And frankly, if more of our districts were this evenly divided and members of Congress had to listen to both sides and then make a judgment, our country would be better off. Yeah. I agree with you 100 percent. Angie Craig, thank you so much. We appreciate it. 452 back in a minute on CCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 